0: All right, so we've been walking through Matthew chapter 24, and this has been an exciting journey for me. I love just diving deep into the Word of God, it's, and, and no matter how many times you come to some familiar passages, there are many times you come to these passages, and because the Spirit of God is active and He's still working, there are new things that you see. And so this is one of those passages that I've come this week to really study and uh, just been moved by. and. So I wanted to share some of those things with you today as we also look at what Jesus has to say. So Jesus has been taking some time in Matthew chapter 24. He's been talking about the end. He says, this is what is to come. There's going to be a time of judgment that's going to come. He says, is it Israel is going to be, uh, Jerusalem and Israel and the people of God are going to be ever for changed. The temple going to be destroyed. And so he talks about things that are coming near. But then he also gives uh, c- connections and pictures of what is going to take place in the future. When is the end? And as he begins talking like this, his disciples come and they ask him questions. They say, what is it going to look like? And then in verse 3 of chapter 24, we see they ask another question. Is, what time is all of this going to take place? When is the end going to happen? So Jesus has been um, taking time, answering their questions. And today we're going to see, beginning in verse 36 that he makes a transition so instead of now talking about what the end is going to look like he's going to spend time talking about when is the end and what we need to do in light of the end so look with me in verse 36 Jesus says but concerning so that but there is a is a transition so he's been talking about one thing but now he says but now concerning the day and hour no one knows not even the angels of heaven nor the son but the father only so jesus begins to as he gives a uh, comes to a point of where he we can summarize the first 35 verses by saying jesus is saying the end is coming it is near and there's nothing standing in the way from christ returning then verse 36 he gives us another opportunity to say the end is near but the exactly how near nobody knows Nobody knows. So the angels don't know, you don't know. And Jesus even says, I don't even know when the end is, but God himself does. He says, the end is near, it is imminent, and it is coming, but we don't know when. Now, some would take this statement of Jesus to be a very curious statement, to say, well, if Jesus is saying this, and then what is this, what is this reflecting about his divinity? So if Jesus is God, and, and he's saying now that he doesn't know, does that mean that he really isn't God? And, and and how do we work that out? And so I wanted to share with you real briefly as we dive into this, answer that question. But Jesus is here in his statement, in his answer, What Jesus is is helping his disciples see and understand is that Jesus, while on earth, voluntarily limited some of his divine attributes. We could see this because as Jesus, before he came to earth in, in the form of a man, we know that Jesus had the ability to be omnipresent. He could be in all places at one time. But when Jesus took on flesh, he also had his full divinity, but also his full humanity, and lived, he gave up his omnipresence because as a being, human being, he could only be in one place one time so we see that playing out in jesus's life the second thing that we see is that jesus also gave up some of his omniscience or some of his ability to be all knowing while jesus was on earth he voluntarily gave up all of his all-knowing but he had he maintained some of his all-knowing that only related uh, the knowing that he maintained was the knowing that uh, related to the mission of the cross So he kept all of his all-knowing as it was related to his specific mission. Now, the second coming of Christ was not related to his current mission. That was related to the next mission. So he didn't need to know when he was going to return. He just needed to know he was going to return. And we see that Jesus' omniscience as he lived his life was very important. We know that he was able to, as he encountered people, he had enough knowledge to see into their heart. And he was able to talk to Nicodemus. He was able to talk to the woman at the well. He was able to talk to other people and see directly into their heart. So we see that he was able to see in ways that we weren't. But that was related to his mission of the cross. And so Jesus gave up voluntarily some of his divine attributes. So Jesus is not saying here that he is not fully God. But what Jesus is saying here, I believe, and what he's trying to get to at the heart of of this sentence is that Jesus is simply saying, don't don't waste your time trying to figure out when. Don't waste your time trying to figure out when I'm going to come back. Know that I'm going to come back. But if you sit around trying to figure out, trying to read all the signs and and trying to date calendars and you have all these expansive maps of trying to chart history, he's saying that's a pointless pursuit. It's a wrong pursuit journey. But Jesus we see here shows his trust in God. He says, I know, I don't know, but God knows and I trust in God. So he's pointing us and he's pointing his disciples back to God saying, trust in him. He's, he knows the time. He knows what's going on. None of this stuff is taking him off guard, but he knows. And so if Jesus trusted in God, so should we. So instead of trying to figure out when, a better use of our time, as we're going to see Jesus now transitioning into, instead of trying to figure out when, he says, a better use of your time is to be prepared. Be prepared for Jesus's second coming. So the question today that we're going to look at for the next couple weeks is how then do we, are we to be prepared in the meantime? And Jesus gives us in this passage, he gives us two illustrations and four parables. And so today we're going to look at two illustrations and two parables, and the next week we'll pick up the last two parables. And I think it's important that we understand that this is important to the mind of Christ. If we look at it, Jesus spends chapter 24, the bulk of chapter 24, talking about what is to come. But then he spends a lot of time, if you count the verses, he spends a lot of verses talking about how to be prepared. So it's, it's almost as though Jesus says, it's important to know I'm coming back. But it's even more important for you today to know how it is that you should live. Even if you just take the weight and the bulk of the text, you can see that this is important to Jesus. So he begins in verse 37, giving us an illustration. And the first thing we can learn from the first illustration is that we are to be prepared like Noah. And we're going to look at that. But as we see this, I want you to see that what Jesus is doing, he's beginning to bridge Prophecy and preparation. So he's been talking about prophecy. This is what is going to happen. And now he's bridging into now so be prepared. This is what you do in light of the end. So let's look and see what he says about Noah in verse 37. So for as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the son of man. For in those days before the flood, they were eating, drinking, marrying, and giving in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark. And they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away so will the coming of the Son of Man. And so we see here, Jesus is reminding us, be prepared like Noah. For we look back and we look at the days of Noah, we know that it was really bad. It was really bad, but in the eyes of people, there was this facade of life was really good. We see here, he says, in those days, those people were marrying and and going about life, and they thought what they were experiencing was real life, but what they didn't realize is that God was becoming more and more and more dissatisfied with their sin, and he was pointing them, moving them towards a time of destruction. We see in Genesis chapter 6, verse 5, we see a little insight into the day and the way that God saw people. It says, the Lord saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. So Jesus or God then goes on to say judgment is coming because the world is in this place, I am going to bring about my judgment and I'm going to destroy everything that is living, everything that has breath. But we see judgment and right along with that, we see God being merciful. God saves Noah, who Scripture tells us was a righteous man. And so God saves Noah and his family, and he also saves some animals along the way. So God told Noah prior to the actual destruction coming or the actual judgment coming, he gave Noah insight into seeing what was going to happen. So we see Noah is going to be this transitionary figure in the same way Christ is telling us here. Now there's this transition between prophecy and being prepared. God told Noah what was to come, and he said, now be prepared. So he tells him how to be prepared. He says, go build an ark. Go build an ark and gather your family and gather the animals. And so for a 100 years, uh, Noah didn't know exactly when. He knew the flood wouldn't come until after the ark was prepared. But after the ark was done, we don't know how long it was exactly. And, but he knew that this judgment was coming, and so he lived for a 100 years in obedience and in preparation but we also see the rest of the world was completely unaware of what was taking place so they continued their life as usual living as though this life was all that there is and we see finally when the door of the ark was shut the opportunity for the world to come and experience the mercy and grace of god it was over their hope was gone and they experienced the judgment and the full wrath of God. So in our days, there are some in our world today that are preparing, and there are some that right now are completely unaware. But in some ways, we're sitting in our lives. If you're a believer here today, in some ways, you're somewhat like a modern day Noah. For you know the end. You know there's judgment coming. He's been very clear in his word that there is a time coming where the world will be judged. But you, if you're a believer today, you also know that you will be spared from that. You will be spared from the judgment. God's mercy and his grace have been poured out on you through his son. And because of your faith, you will be able to escape the judgment. God has given us a lifeboat. And he's given to us in the person of Christ. So we should live being prepared for eternity just as Noah was. Living our lives in obedience, living our lives knowing that he is coming, knowing that he has given us a purpose and that we live purposefully. So we be prepared like Noah. The second thing I want us to see is that we should be prepared for some will be taken and some will be left. This is the second illustration that we see in this passage. Look at me in verse 40. Jesus continues teaching and he says, Then two men will be in the field, one will be taken and one left. Two women will be grinding at the mill, one will be taken and one left. So we be prepared for the coming. Of Jesus because some will be taken and some will be left. Jesus illustrates here the unexpectedness of the coming of Christ. And he uses a, a picture from daily life. He's, he's talking about working. He says, "So as you're working, if you're working in the field or you're working in the mill, instantly some will be taken and they will be taken to escape the judgment of God and some will be left. So there's a difference here. There's, there's a dividingness that's going to take place in the world in the second coming of Christ. There will be dividing of those that will be taken, those that will be spared for the judgment of God, and those that will be here that will remain that will have to endure the judgment of God. So be prepared for that. I don't, don't let that freak you out. But know that in the time, if you're alive, in the end, some will be taken and some will be left. And that won't be scary for those that are believers. It will be scary for those that are left. So those are two illustrations. Now he moves into um, giving us some parables. And so the first parable we see, he says, Be prepared, for his coming can come at any moment. Look with me in verse 42 through 44. He says, Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But know that, the master, that if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour that you don't expect. So be prepared for his coming can come at any moment. You know, as we go about life, there's this temptation for us to let our guard down. There's a temptation for us to get involved in this this cycle, this pattern of life that that we just kind of get into this this zone or we get in this rut and we just continue to do things because that's the way we do things. It's our tendency to let our guard down. And what Jesus is saying here as a pattern of life, there's a pattern in your life where you just want to sleep, where you just want to rest, where you want to block the world out. But Jesus says don't do that. He says, instead of, of you following into this natural pattern of, of even falling into sleep or just going about the routine of life, he says, stay awake. For even though you don't, know, you don't know the day or time, you must respond by staying awake because it can come at any moment. I think what Jesus is saying here is, is he's helping his disciples and helping us understand that, that knowledge of something should change your natural pattern. So we, we naturally fall into patterns of life But if we have knowledge of something that that impacts that natural pattern, then it should change our activities. It should change the way we respond. And so Jesus gives us this parable of the thief in the night. As the manager of the house, as the the liver in this house, if you knew that someone was going to come in, in the midst of the night and to rob you of everything, you would be prepared. You would change your pattern by staying awake. You wouldn't allow your desire for sleep to overwhelm you. Instead, you would move from sleeping to being ready. I've got an illustration that I want to show you that I think best symbolizes what Jesus is saying here. So I'm going to show you a quick video that really illustrates this. It's coming, I promise. This is a Super Bowl commercial from last year, so maybe you've seen it and... uh, What are you doing? Oh hey, using night vision goggles to keep an eye on my spicy buffalo wheat thins to make sure nobody touches them. Who's gonna take your weed thins? Um, I don't know. An intruder, the dog, Bigfoot, Ted from next door. Hey, could you get the light? I love you. Hey, I was close! It's a Ted! Check it out! things So we're to be prepared, right? So he's, we don't know what's going to come, but you can see I love this, this video because it shows a, a, a guy that's just going about his everyday life, and he has something that he knows is valuable to him, it's wild buffalo spicy wheat thins or whatever, and he loves them so much and he's being prepared, and his preparedness is really shocking to his wife. His wife's like, what in the world are you doing? So his knowledge changed his behavior, and it even caused those that didn't understand that, didn't have that knowledge, to kind of question him. And so she's like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm prepared. So he's got his night vision goggles. He's got a seat there and he's checking out his, he's got his eyes fully focused on those wheat thins and the light goes off and then the Yeti shows up and Ted, I love Ted. Ted comes in and like sneaks in and takes them and, and gets the wheat thins. So in some ways, let our knowledge of Christ's coming change our pattern. Like let it change the way that we live our lives so that we're, we're not doing things just because the world is doing it. Let us not just participate in the things of the world because the world says that that's what you're supposed to be doing, but instead with our lives, we should be looking and waiting for the Lord to return. We should be on our guard. So let this knowledge rewrite our pattern of life and let us take on a pattern of preparedness. So the second parable we see, Jesus talks about being prepared for his coming as it may be delayed. Look with me in verse 45. And through 51. So he goes on then to say, Who then is the faithful and wise servant whom his master has set over his household to give them their food at the proper time? Blessed is the servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will be set over all his possessions. But if that wicked servant says to himself, my master is delayed and begins to beat his fellow servants and eat and drink with drunkards, the master of the servant's will come on a day when he does not expect inspect him and at an hour where he does not know. And he will cut him into pieces and put him with the hypocrites. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So Jesus here is encouraging And setting up two different types of servants. He says there's a wicked servant and then there is a wise and faithful servant. He says so there's two groups of people in the world. There are those that are wise and faithful and those that are wicked. And there will come a time where where Christ will come back and he'll judge the activities of both of those. The, The wise or the wicked will receive this and the wise and the faithful will receive this. And so that's what he's talking about. So he's be prepared even though his coming may be delayed. So we ourselves fit into one of these two categories. We will either be wise or we will be wicked. We will either be faithful or we will be unfaithful. And he says here, he gives us insight into the faithful and wise. He says the faithful and wise servant understands their position. He says the faithful and wise servant understands that they are our steward, that God has blessed them with things and they have responsibilities. The responsibilities are to care for others. And he goes on to even say your responsibility to care for others and to look out for others, to give food and to give shelter and to do that for others. You are to do it even if Christ's return is delayed. Even if you give your whole life, preparing for Jesus' coming, and Jesus doesn't come in your lifetime, it is not a waste of time. But then he shows us the wicked. The wicked see the, the delayedness of the master. And instead of living lives of faithfulness, they see uh, the property of the master and they abuse the property of master for their own pleasure or for their own profit or for their own advancement in their own position. They seek the pleasure of their own and they, we know that they will eventually pr- pay the price and that is their reward. For the faithful will receive uh, inheritance. The faithful will receive a blessing of having even more opportunity to be a good steward. But then we see the wicked being responsible for caring and carrying out their own judgment. He says, the master of the servant will come on the day when he does not expect him. And in an hour, he doesn't know. And this will be his reward. He will be cut into pieces and he will be put with the hypocrites. And in that place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. What Jesus is saying is if those that are wicked those that that are ticked off of the delay of God and His coming, and they begin to use that time for their own benefit, what's going to happen to them is they will receive a harsh punishment, an eternally harsh punishment. He will rip them, He will tear them into pieces, and He will place them in the place where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. And that is a picture of eternal hell. Where continually they will live in the fully experiencing the wrath of God for eternity. You know, the longer we wait for the return of Christ, the greater the temptation is for us to do things our own way. Like the the, the longer we live outside of the direct oversight of our master and over our God, there's a greater temptation to pull away and to do things on our own. Let me give you an illustration of this. Back in the day when I was engaged to Sarah and I was a student teacher, I was finishing up my degree and and trying to work towards graduation and all the other good stuff, I had to get a job working at Arby's. And I loved working at Arby's, slicing the meat, doing all those great things. I was an Arby's guy. But One of the things I noticed is the atmosphere of the restaurant in which I work was completely different when the restaurant manager was there. When the restaurant manager was was looking over the employees, everything ran by the book. People were sanitizing properly. People were washing their hands properly. They were making sandwiches properly, making sure they're weighing the meat before they put it on the sandwich. They were going into the refrigerator doing that the right way. They were making sure that the money they were collecting, they were doing it the right way. And this restaurant manager ran a tight ship. You could tell that this restaurant manager cared for what he was overseeing for the owner of the restaurant. He did a great job, but there was also a time in which you could tell when the manager was away, the character of the employees was tested. I got a chance to see this over and over and over again. Things started to slide when the manager wasn't away. Maybe you didn't sanitize like you were supposed to. Maybe you put a little extra meat on there because you knew the person at the uh, at, at the drive thru or you gave them extra fries, or gave them extra coke, or you did this, or maybe you didn't wash your hands after you took out the garbage. You know, maybe you did these crazy things. But things started to slide when the manager wasn't there. But then there was this one night when I was serving under the shift manager and her best friend. There was just the three of us in the restaurant, and we were there to close. And I knew based on previous uh, experiences when this shift manager and uh, her friend got together, it was going to be a bad night because they didn't care very well for the property or for just anything about the business. And there was this one night where they show up and they, you could just tell it was a feisty it was going to be a feisty evening because the, the full moon was out and like werewolves were coming out. You knew it was going to be strange. And so I was there, and, and my character was tested over and over and over again working with these three. I was always trying to be diligent, trying to do my job because I needed my job to make money so that I could you know, get married and all that other stuff. So I needed the job, and I wanted to be faithful in this place. But this one night, coworkers thought it would be fun to absolutely destroy the restaurant. They thought, you know what, let's just make this a night that we'll have to remember. And so what they began doing was taking food and and throwing it at the windows and and taking the trash and dumping it out and letting the... the, Smoothie machine just run rapidly, And as people would come through uh, the drive through they'd either throw food at them or they would cuss them out and they'd do all these crazy things. And there I am in the midst of this, my character being tested, seeing what's going on. I'm like, oh Lord, what do I do? And the only thing I could do was go back to the back and just wash dishes i'm trying to wash dishes in the midst of food being flown everywhere and things happening and craziness and and i'm like oh god what am i doing and and this actual passage came to mind i'm like i just want to be a good servant lord i just want to be i need this job please don't let me get fired because of their stuff i don't know what i'm supposed to do i'm a young guy i'm not very wise and so i'm just washing dishes Washing dishes. And finally, they're like, You can go. I'm like, I can't go. I don't want to be connected with you guys. You guys did bad. You guys are going to get fired. I can't get fired. Like, this is going to go on my resume, like, as being fired. And if I ever go, I can't use you on a reference anymore. So I'm like totally distraught. And finally, they leave, and I'm still there. I'm in this restaurant that's full of trash and food all over the place. And I call my sister up, and my sister happened to actually work for the same company at a different Arby's. And I'm like, Hey, Melissa. What do I do? She's like, let me take care of it. So she calls up, the manager and manager comes in, and he's storming mad. He is he's fit to be tied. And I'm like, can I help clean up? And so for the next four hours, we cleaned up that night. And and I just think about that. And those those two are yet have were dismissed and they were utterly banned from ever working at Arby's ever. Their name's on this special blacklist. So if you ever, don't ever worry about going into Arby's anymore. Go to Arby's because I'm sure these two young ladies are no longer working there. But it was a great reminder as I think about that experience and I think about what Jesus is teaching today. That is a great reminder for us to be faithful and to be wise. Be faithful because the Lord has given us things to do. He hasn't just said, sit and just wait. Just wait till I come. No, he says, be faithful now by being obedient. You have a purpose. You have a mission. You have meaning right now. So be about doing that. Be faithful with the time and be wise with what you do. Even if it seems like I am delaying. Even if it seems like I am far from you, know that I am not. For the end is near and my coming will be So today as we come to our time of close, I want to just ask you these questions and take them in inside of, of being a doomsday prepper. Like how prepared are you so far? So as we look at the end, knowing that Jesus is coming back, how prepared are you? Are you at a place in your life right now where you are inside of the lifeboat or are outside of the lifeboat? Like, are you here today where you are prepared because you know that your hope for your salvation, you know your hope for the end is found in Jesus Christ? If you're here today and that's you, praise God. But if you're here today, I want you to be aware, if you're outside of the lifeboat, if you've never placed faith in Jesus Christ, know that if you die today, you will receive the judgment of God and the wrath of God for eternity. That's not a pleasant message. It's not an easy message to preach, but it's the truth. And so if you're here today, you have an opportunity to be saved. You have an opportunity to call on the name of the Lord, to repent of your life, and to receive him for forgiveness. So that's one way to be prepared. You've got to be in Christ. You've got to be in Christ, in the lifeboat. The second thing is I want to ask you, are you staying awake? Are your spiritual eyes open and is your heart waiting for the Lord to return? Are you doing and caring for that which he's placed you over? Or have you allowed the ebb and flow of life to get you into this cycle where if the Lord were to come, you're not ready? So are you staying awake? And lastly, are you remaining faithful? With That which God has given you, with the resources God has given you, with the time God has given you, with God who has placed the people in your life, are you being a good steward of those people? Are you being a good steward of your possessions? Are you being a good steward of your time? Are you remaining faithful and obedient to following God in the midst of whatever craziness is going on in your life? Well, if you're not, I encourage you this morning just to come back to God and just say, God, I made a mess of things again. I need you to help me be again, be faithful, because I know that your return is coming, and I want to be ready. I don't want to be embarrassed, but I want to be ready for when you return. Let's pray. Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for giving us your word, and thank you, God, that you have given us a way so that we can know how to be prepared for your coming. God, continue to allow your word to to sink deeply into our spirits, into our minds, and into our hearts, and continue to allow us to be changed by it. For God, we know that there are things in our lives right now that are not showing that we're being prepared for the end. Maybe it's a lack of faith. Maybe it's a lack of trust. Maybe it's just we've forgotten that you are a God that cares. Maybe we've forgotten that you are a God that is His purpose in the pains of life. And Maybe we're just here today, just utterly overwhelmed, And so, Father, help us to lay our overwhelmness at your feet and allow us to take on the promises that you give us and help us to walk in faithfulness towards you. God, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name.